Peterson Financial Group is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies every day using a variety of insurance and investment products to meet their specific goals. We are not permitted to offer and no statement made during the show shall constitute tax or legal advice. You should talk to a qualified professional before making any decisions about your personal situation. The information presented is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of securities or investment strategies. We are not affiliated with the U.S. government or any governmental agency. Investment advisory services offered through Peterson Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor. This is the Retirement Ready Podcast with President and Founder Eric Peterson of Peterson Financial Group, Iowa's retirement specialists with an office in West Des Moines. It's time to make sure that you're retirement ready. All right, my friend. So I've got a little game of what's the difference for us to play this go around since you were just playing some games over the weekend with the family. I thought we would Mm -hmm. do the same kind of thing here. Now, people get confused on some of these. Some folks may know these. They may not know them at all. Either way, I'm just going to have you take a few things that are pretty similar sounding and just tell us the difference, okay? All righty. Roth contributions versus Roth conversions. And this is one that um, people do um, get confused about. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So a contribution is you're allowed to contribute to that uh, account. So a Roth is a type of IRA. So you have up until... Um, you file your taxes, which for 2020 is actually July 15th. So if you haven't made an IRA or a Roth IRA contribution, you still have time if you want to. And with that is that is limited by the amount of money that you make, how much you can put into a Roth IRA. So for the year 2020, if uh, you are married filing jointly and you make uh, less than 196000 actually, the phase-out range starts at 196000 goes up to 206000 a modified adjusted gross income, then you can make a Roth IRA contribution. So if you're below that number, you can make a Roth IRA contribution. If you're single, it's 124000 is where the phase-out starts. So if you make less than those numbers, you can make a Roth contribution. And for this year, if you are over age 50, that contribution limit is $7,000. If you're under age 50, you can put $6,000 away into a Roth IRA. Now, Roth conversion is totally different. Roth conversion is just you're converting an IRA to a Roth IRA, and there's no limit on income or the amount you can convert. You can convert any amount you want. If you had a million dollars in your IRA, you could convert the whole thing to a Roth IRA. But guess what happens when you do that? Hmm. You owe the tax on that converted (laughs) amount. That's why they don't allow you to do whatever you want. So it's how much tax you're willing to pay, how much tax pain you're willing to endure in order to do a conversion. Now, you could do a contribution and a conversion the same year. Absolutely. Now, to add another, I guess, um, uh, thing to this mix, um, there's also Roth. Some people have the Roth inside of their 401ks or TSP or 403b, their qualified plan at work. Okay? So that's limited to how much you can put in in a year. Normally, if you're if you're in a, a 401k plan and you're over the age of 50, then that limit now is $26,000 you can put in in 2020 into a 401k. Now, you could do it all to the Roth side if it's available in your plan. So you could do a Roth 401k and a Roth IRA and a Roth conversion if you wanted to, the trifecta of Roth if you really wanted to. There's going to be a lot of tax that you're going to pay because here's the thing on a Roth 401k contribution. When you make a 401k contribution right now, it comes out pre-tax. So Let's say you're sending $100 to the uh, 401k, you're saving the tax on that $100, okay? When you do $100 to the Roth 401k, it's not only the $100 comes out of your check, but it's also the taxes on that $100 come out of your check. 
So the Roth uh, 401k contributions hurt you a little bit from a take-home pay standpoint, but mm-hmm, if you can right. endure that, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a lot of tax-free money. It's kind of like being too rich or too thin. Can you be those two things? Well, you can't have too much tax-free money. So <laughs> I guess, all I guess you ways. could be too thin. That would be <laughs> you could be too thin. Yes, yeah. yeah. How about being too rich? Um, yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd try it. I'd be willing to give it a go for in the name of science. Like, uh, Brewster's Millions. I don't know if you remember that movie <laughs> I back. I do. I loved that movie when I was younger. Yes, <laughs> that'd be something to fun. Why everyone's quarantined, right? See, this guy has spent I think thirty million dollars yeah, in thirty days. Thirty or million in thirty like days. Richard Pryor movie. Yeah, John <laughs> Candy. Bunch of people in that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And if he spends it all, he gets like three hundred million. Something right. like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But so and he can't tell anybody. So yeah, it's a it was a fun movie. It was. Uh, all right. So that's Roth contributions versus Roth conversion. So a little bit of a difference there. You know, again, make sure like anything, folks, make sure you always check with somebody before you take any action. But as Eric pointed out, there's a little bit of the subtle differences between the two things. Now we're got several of these. They're going to be all over the place from different financial vehicles, but you'll get the idea overall. Because people do send, tend to um, you know kind of mix these up or just maybe aren't quite sure. So let's go to life insurance. So term life versus permanent life. So term life insurance is um, you know a very popular tool, and it's used to cover your death benefit for a certain time frame, a certain term, if you will. This is what um, the people like Dave Ramsey um, proposes out there. You know, he says, uh-huh. don't buy, you know, whole life insurance just by term and invest the difference, right? Because you only need the money for a certain amount of time. And in some instances, that's that's true. Uh, let's say you, uh, you know, have a mortgage and you want to protect that. Should something happen to you prematurely, you want that mortgage to be paid off. You want the kids to go to college. You want your bills wiped out, all that kind of stuff. Well, term insurance gives you the most leverage. You get a lot of insurance, death benefit, tax-free death benefit for the amount of premium that you're paying. And premiums are normally extremely low, depending if you're really young. And they're normally um, set for a certain amount of time. Like you could buy a 10-year term policy, a 20-year term policy, something like that. So your payments are level for that time frame. The thing is, the vast majority of term insurance, 99.93% of it, never is paid out. So think Hmm, about that. It's a very small amount. That's why you have the leverage, right? Now, once you go past the term, typically those policies will become what's called renewable, which means that you can continue the insurance, but you're going to get a much higher premium, and it goes up each year. And it's like drastically, people are shocked by how, how much the insurance goes up by. Um, but you can keep it because you don't have to go through insurability, evidence of insurability to keep that policy in force. So it works if you only want to have a death benefit during a certain amount of time. If you don't die in that time period, then you're out. Permanent insurance, though, however, is going to last for your lifetime. And there's certain ways you could do that. There's whole life or universal life or variable life, those types of things. The whole thing about a permanent policy, it's meant to pay off when you need it. That's when you pass away. And then there's other things you can do inside of a life insurance policy. There's ways you could accumulate cash and you can access that cash tax favorably if you do it correctly. So you just have to understand the two basic differences. Term, only going to insure me for a term. Permanent is going to be there as long as I'm funding it and as long as it's you know uh, viable with the money that's in there to cover the expenses, those kinds of things. It should be there for the rest of my life and be paid out when I need it to pay out. So okay. those are the big differences. All right. What about qualified accounts versus non-qualified accounts? So a qualified account is qualified by tax code. So things like a 401k, that's an actual line in the U.S. tax code. An IRA is a qualified plan. A TSP is a qualified plan. So anything that has kind of numbers and letters to it is qualified, which means it's protected. The uh, gains in those accounts are not subject to income tax until you pull money out of those accounts. Okay, A non-qualified account is everything else. So a brokerage account, you just have money in investments and you get a 1099 for it each year. That's considered non-qualified. Okay, 
But also there's a non-qualified when it comes to insurance products, mainly the annuity world. So the annuity world has a term called non-qualified, which is money that you put in that's after taxed. However, because it's in an insurance product that is qualified, the gains or the interest earned on that account is not subject to tax until you pull it out. So that's a different type of non-qualified. So just remember, if it's qualified, it's tax code qualified, which means it's not going to pay tax until you pull it out. Non-qualified, if it's not an insurance product, then you're going to pay tax on it every year. The bank, you have a CD at the bank, you get a 1099 for the interest each year. That's non-qualified. It means you're paying tax along the way. And you need money in different kind of buckets, so this is where you start to work with somebody like us. This shows you having money in the different tax-qualified buckets helps because it gives you options on how to pull the money out in retirement. You don't want all of your money in a qualified bucket because then you're, you're tax-locked. Every dollar you pull out is going to be subject to income tax at your highest tax level. So you want to have options, and getting that right balance is what's critically important. But that's one of the things that we look at when people come in for our retirement readiness review is we do tax analysis and see, okay, maybe you want to move some money around different tax buckets to help down the road. So a variable annuity and a fixed annuity. I think we probably know this one pretty well, but go ahead and tell us anyway, Eric. Well, they both have the same last name, right? They both have the same last name of annuity. And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of uh, advertisement out there. And if you search the word annuity, there's a couple million um, hits that come up. And, you know, there's some people that like annuities and some people that absolutely hate them. Um, It's one guy that uh, advertises a lot, um, saying, I hate annuities and you should too. The thing is, is that they're a financial tool. And like any tool, uh, it could be used correctly, can help, and used the wrong way, it can certainly hurt you. But the big difference between variable and fixed is just in their names, their first names, variable. It's variable. It's going to change, which means it's in investments. Typically, they're called separately managed accounts, but they're just like mutual funds. They smell, act, look just like mutual funds, and they have the same names, a lot of them, same same companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, fixed annuity is going to be a fixed rate of interest as paid by the insurance company. So the big difference is when you buy a variable annuity, your money's not with the insurance company. The contract is with them, and the guarantees come from them. They may have a guarantee for death benefit or income or something like that. But the money's in the investments. So the only way the insurance company makes money is to charge a lot of fees. And fees and variable news can range from, you know, low side, but, you know, maybe 1% up to high side, maybe 3.5%. So it's a lot of fees. That's the way the insurance company makes their money. In a fixed annuity, your money's actually in the insurance company's general account. So the insurance company's making a yield spread on that. They have investments that are backing that up. They have a certain amount of interest they're earning, and they can pay you some interest. And so the difference is what they keep to pay for operations and those kinds of things. So that's really the big difference. A variable annuity will change. It will go up and down with the market, where a fixed annuity will not. It's going to be fixed for whatever term that you choose. If you choose, let's say, a five-year term is paying 3%, you can get 3% for five years. In the five years, then you renegotiate the contract, kind of like a CD. Move it, take it out, transfer it, or keep it in. So... That's the big difference. One is going to change. No guarantees other than you may pay for those guarantees. A lot of fees. The other one, no fees. And it's just a fixed rate. All right. There you go. So a little what's the difference on those two. Now, this one's an interesting one here, Eric. A 60-day rollover versus trustee-to-trustee rollover. What's the difference? Well, 60-day rollover is if you take possession of the money. Okay. So let's say you – this just happened to actually a former employee of ours. So um, she decided to stay home after her uh, birth of her second child. And we were unhappy to see her leave because she was such a great employee. But we were happy for her in this new chapter in her life. And we stay in contact with her and those types of things. But she was rolling out her 401k that she had here. And so she 
uh, had that sent over to her new IRA that she has at Fidelity. And she got a letter and she sent it to me because why did I get this letter? Well, it was a letter from Fidelity saying, hey, we're coding this as a rollover because the check came to us a certain way and just want to let you know, you can only, you know, if it's not a rollover, then you need to tell us because we need to code it differently. And she's like, well, why do I have to worry about that? Well, you can only do one rollover in a year. Okay. It's been a change to the rules the IRS laid out. So rollovers, if you take possession of it, you have 60 days to put it into an IRA if you take it out of a qualified plan. Okay. And if you use the one, then you can't do it again. So that's what the thing with this letter was, even though she didn't take possession of the money, but the way the check was made out. So Fidelity just wanted to make sure. Right. Trustee to trustee transfers, the money sent directly from the trustee or custodian to another custodian. You could do as many of those as you want to in a year. You could do a thousand of them if you had that many accounts. So it's going, let's say, from Fidelity to Vanguard, right? That's trustee to trustee. That doesn't count towards this rollover. Okay. But you could do one rollover a year. Okay. And the reason the IRS changed that is people were actually financing their um, lifestyles by doing rollovers <laughs> oh wow well they take the money out so let's say a husband and wife uh-huh. so a husband took money out okay out of an ira he's got 60 day window to put it back in let's say at day 50 wife takes money out of her ira use it to fund his ira so she's within the 60 days but now she has 60 days and they're just doing that all throughout the year oh wow that seems they're like saying, that would just know, be so there's too much to keep up with Oh, yeah, and if you get missed it by one day, all of a sudden, boom, a taxable event. So yeah, you can exactly. only do one and make sure you get it right. But the easiest way to have them check made directly out to the custodian and have it sent to them directly um, and have it coded correctly so they understand it's a, it's a trustee-to-trustee transfer, not a rollover, so you can keep that rollover in case you do need it. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yep. Well, that's a good one because we don't, you know, we don't t- touch on that sometimes for uh, – here on the show so it's good to explain that to folks and that's what we're doing we're playing what's the difference on some of these things that can trip people up what about individual bonds or just saying bonds versus bond funds this is one that causes a lot of confusion because when people are dealing with their um you know whether dealing with somebody or not you know they they read about hey the closer you get to retirement the more money you should shift from maybe stocks to bonds okay and they look at the offerings and maybe their 401ks okay well here's some fixed income accounts i'll just go into that that's not a bond. That is a bond fund. There's a big difference between those two. So let's break it down. An individual bond is when you actually get the bond from the institution that you are lending that money to. Now, you're typically buying these on what's called the secondary market. You're not buying an original issue. Let's say you bought a bond from Acme Corporation, okay? So Acme, you got an actual physical certificate. Well, it's going to be held in street name. But they're saying, hey, okay, you lend us $10,000. We're going to give you that $10,000 back in 20 years, and we're going to pay you 4% interest. Okay, so every year you get $400 of interest from us. And at the end of the 20 years, you get your $10,000 back. That is a bond, okay? A certificate that you hold and you made a loan to that corporation. So what happens is, is interest rates change throughout the, they change on a daily basis, so I don't know if you remember being on a teeter-totter when you were a kid. Okay? Oh, yeah. So teeter-totters were fun unless you were the heavy kid and you're always on the bottom. But if or, you're about the, if you're or the kind of evenly weighted, and, you're going yeah. up or down. <laughs> right. So think of a teeter-totter. One side's interest rates, one side is price or value of that bond. So if interest rates are going down, then the value of the bond increases. Now, if you own the individual bond, you could sell that bond and you could make more money than what you paid for it. Okay, that's called selling at a premium. If interest rates are higher than now, if you wanted to sell it, you don't have to, but you would take a discount. You'd actually sell it less than what you paid for it. So that happens in bonds on a daily basis. If you own the individual bond, as long as you're comfortable with the interest it's generating, then you don't have to sell it, right? Just keep it to the end of the term. The thing is a bond fund is different because what it is, it's a big collection of bonds, 
Okay, there's probably hundreds, if not thousands of different bonds inside of a bond fund. So this interest rate calculation is going on a daily basis. And thing to remember in a bond fund that there's two pieces to it that make up this thing called total return. What you're looking at if you're evaluating is what the total return was for 2019. Let's say they say the total return of this bond fund was 6%. Okay? okay. The next thing that you need to check is what was the amount of coupons? What was the amount of interest that came from the bonds? And let's say that interest was 3%. Well, the other 3% came from the appreciation, the value of those underlying bonds, okay? So the way I break this down when I teach it in class is that the coupons are cash, okay? That's money that's came into the bond fund. The other is appreciation, which is hope. And so hmm, what would you rather yeah. have your retirement plan based upon, cash or hope? <laughs> Hope's not a plan. <laughs> right, because the thing is, if interest rates do change, if interest rates start to go up, uh-huh. then that appreciation that's there is going to go away, Okay, so now all of a sudden, instead of making six, you're only making three because that's the coupons. Or it could go negative, right? So just be careful. If you're looking at you know, going into something that's going to protect from the stock market, there's better ways, I feel, much better ways than moving into bonds or bond funds. Because I don't think interest rates are going to be doing you any favors when it comes to bonds. So this is where in a planning process, you need to find, okay, these are the tools that you could use to diversify away from the stock market to protect your money. Because you don't want to have everything in the market because what does the market do? Sometimes it goes down by a lot. And you need to have a safe place, safe, smart place to take your income from that you need in retirement. There's other tools that will do it that are not subject to these interest rate fluctuations. You need to find out about those. You've been listening to the Retirement Ready Podcast. If you have questions about what you've heard on today's podcast and would like to schedule a complimentary retirement readiness review with Eric Peterson and the team at Peterson Financial Group, call now. 515-226-1500 is the number to dial. That's 515-226-1500. They are Iowa's retirement specialists and standing by to help you achieve your financial and retirement goals. Want to ask a question online? Visit the team at askericpeterson.com. Thanks for listening to the Retirement Ready Podcast, making sure that you're retirement ready. Did you know that Eric Peterson also has a radio show? Tune in to the Retirement Ready Radio Show, Sundays at noon on AM 1040. WHO. Peterson Financial Group is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies every day using a variety of insurance and investment products to meet their specific goals. We are not permitted to offer and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. You should talk to a qualified professional before making any decisions about your personal situation. The information presented is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of securities or investment strategies. We are not affiliated with the U.S. government or any governmental agency. Investing involves risk in including the loss of principal. No investment strategy can guarantee a profit or protect against loss in periods of declining values. Any references to protection benefits or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investment products. Insurance and annuity product guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Investment advisory services offered through Peterson Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor.